You're listening to the Sooner Schooner Show, a proud member of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I'm Eric G. from 97.1, the sports animal in Tulsa. Coming up on this week's episode, we'll discuss what it means for the OU football program to only have one player on the preseason All-Big 12 team, which will lead us into a discussion about Dylan Gabriel that I had earlier this week with one of my friends. That turnip seed is out at OU, so what does that mean for the future? And Bill Haston of the Tulsa World says OU should have an annual rivalry with this particular school because it just makes too much sense. But before we get to the meat of our content, I do want to ask you to do us a huge favor. Please give us a five-star review because that helps us elevate our content, get it out to more people, and... Along with that, we'd love to have a written review because that lets us really know how we're doing. And if you could take a screenshot of both and send it to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com, Pete will hook you up with a Heartland College Sports koozie, which is perfect for all the tailgating that you're going to do this fall. So with Big 12 Media Days right around the corner, it means that it's time for all the preseason polls to come out. And when the when the preseason all big 12 team got released i have to admit it was a shock it was a big time shock to see one ou player on that entire list one and especially when you think about how bad ou has been at defense over the last 10 years It's even more shocking that the only player on the entire list is Ethan Downs, a defensive lineman. That's it. No special teams players, no offensive players. And you would have thought with with as good as the OU offensive line has been under Bill Biedenboe, that it would have been a gimme to have at least Andrew Rame on this list. But that didn't happen. And you know... As much as I want to sit here and I want to criticize the media for this, because that would be, I mean, that's the low-hanging fruit, right? Just blame the media. We can't. As much as we want to, it's not the media's fault that OU is not well represented on the preseason All-Big 12 team. Because if you think about the offense, all right, I threw out Andrew Rain. Can we really honestly sit here and say that Dylan Gabriel's a better quarterback than Jalen Daniels or that OU has a receiver that's better than Brennan Presley or Jared Bradley or Xavier Worthy? I mean, certainly the running backs look like they're going to be good this year, but at this point, they're unproven. OU doesn't have that guy. I mean, especially when you look at the receiving receiving core, it's not that Drake Stoops or... Jaleel Farouk are bad receivers. They're good receivers. They're just not Ryan Broyles. They're just not Dede Westbrook. You know, they're they're not that kind of guy. They're not a they're not a Marvin Mims. That go-to dude hasn't been established. It's a bunch of nice receivers, but there's nothing all that great about them. And you're asking, okay, so, so what what does this mean? All right, what why are you telling us all this? Because this is stuff that we already know. Well, one thing that it tells you. And this is the thing you cannot underestimate enough in the current day and age of college football is that when you have a mass exodus the way that OU did when Lincoln Riley left, you don't recoup that 
in a few weeks' time. You don't even recruit re- recoup that really in a year's time. Okay, when that many players leave, you got to work and scramble the way that the OU coaching staff did just to fill slots, and you're really put into a position of just hoping that the guys that you get are good enough to play and don't all end up being like your Davis Bevels and your General Booties. Not, not to pick, not to pick on those guys. You're hoping that you can get a guy who can play not just respectably, respectfully, or yeah, respectably at an FBS level. You're hoping you can get a guy that can be eh, borderline all conference, and that's just not the way that it works out. Especially when you're talking about the quantity of players that left OU. And when you've got a six and when you have a six and seven season, okay, it's hard for anyone to look at an unproven OU team and start throwing flowers at them and say, all right, well, we're just gonna name these three or four guys to the preseason all conference team because they've got an interlocking OU on their helmet. When that's just not the truth. Now, all of this obviously could change by the end of the season. If OU ends up playing in the Big 12 in the Big 12 Conference Championship, you would think that both offense and defense would have, you know, combined maybe six guys total on the team. But not the situation now. And there's a couple of there's a couple of ways that you can look at this if you're Brent Venables. One First thing you do is have this blown up. You have it put, you have it put in the weight room, put all around the, the Switzer Center. Now you let people know that folks don't believe in you, okay? And you carry that chip on your shoulder for as, as long as you can. The other way to do it is just not acknowledge it at all. If you're OU, you don't act like it's a big deal because you're more concerned about the bigger picture of winning a conference championship. You're not really worried about individual awards. And I would imagine, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting. Now, I, I was about to say something that I think I would have re- would have regretted. But with Big 12 Media Days coming up, and obviously there are going to be lots of topics to die, you know, to dissect over the next over the next few weeks and there's going to be a lot of things that people want to ask OU and you know specifically Texas about when it comes to moving conferences but when this comes up for OU what Drake Stoops what Dylan Gabriel has to say about this what a guy I mean you talk about another guy that I thought might actually be on here on defense was Danny Stutzman but He's not. I mean, Colin Oliver's listed as as a linebacker here, and I think Colin Oliver definitely is all Big 12. But Stutzman, I thought, man, you might at least get him on there. I'll be interested to see if these guys say, well, hey, yeah, it's motivation. We feel disrespected, and we're going to go out and we're going to show the world. Or if they take the approach of, hey, we were 6-7 and last year. We got to go out and earn it. We got to earn people's respect. Right now, we don't have their respect, and very for very good reason, we don't have their respect. So we got to go out, and we got to earn this on the field. And then there's the third way you could go about it, but I don't see anybody at OU doing this, is you could just go start throwing haymakers at the media and, and do everything you can to kind of, I don't know, uh, what is, what is the best word to use here? You do everything to make sure that 
that this that this is just a joke. You know, hey, you know, no, no discredit. There's there's the word I'm looking for. Uh, you do everything you can to discredit this list, but I don't see OU taking that approach. I think it's going to be one of the first two. We've either got to earn our respect or people aren't respecting us, so we're going to go out and prove to them that they were wrong about this preseason team, which brings me to Dylan Gabriel. Because quite frankly, look, I'm going to sit here and I I will tell you this, and I honestly believe this, and I I think you know if you've listened to this show for any time, I'm not the world's biggest Dylan Gabriel fan. I don't hate him by any stretch of the imagination. He's just not... You know, near he's just not near as good as people wanted him to be simply because he's got that interlocking OU on his helmet. And just because you play quarterback at OU, it does not make you Jalen Hurts or Kyler Murray. I just think Dylan Gabriel, at best, is a serviceable quarterback. And he's a guy that that ultimately could, by the end of the year, get replaced by Jackson Arnold if things don't go to plan. And I was having that conversation uh, with a friend of mine who is an o, who incidentally is an OU alum, and when I say OU alum, not like me who just attended school and got a degree, but actually played football at OU. And when you look at Dylan Gabriel, okay, and, and you realize this guy came in supposedly knew Jeff Lebby's offense, he wasn't going to have that much of a learning curve, didn't perform up to par last year. With OU being under such a spotlight this year and everybody in that program being on an extremely short leash, if Dylan Gabriel were to struggle in two of the first five games, okay, now granted, I'm doing this thinking that that you're going to be struggling back-to-back. So whether you struggle if it's Cincinnati, Iowa State back-to-back or SMU Tulsa back-to-back or... Arkansas State, SMU back-to-back, or, or what, whatever the case is, that if Dylan Gabriel struggles in two games, in back-to-back, you know, back-to-back games, or he's showing that he's a bit of a roller coaster, I guess if he shows he's a bit of a roller coaster, you could yank him and put Jackson Arnold in because you just don't have the luxury of at OU of waiting on this guy to develop. And if Jackson Arnold is your future – it's better to go ahead and get him into that situation than allow Dylan Gabriel to struggle and bring this team down. And Brett McMurphy, if you didn't see this, Brett McMurphy of Stadium Sports tweeted it out today. And look, Brett McMurphy is one of the most reputable sports writers in all of America. He was doing the projections of which teams in America are going to be favored in the most games. He's got OU to be favored in 11 games this year. And we talked about that. OU schedule, Sports Illustrated, or not Sports Illustrated, but CBS rated it as the worst schedule in the Big 12 or the easiest schedule in the Big 12. The only team above them was was Oklahoma State. So there just aren't excuses there. Even if this isn't a classic OU team in talent, which the preseason All-Big 12 team tells us, you're still going to be expected to win somewhere around 11 games this year, 10 at the bare minimum. So it doesn't give Dylan Gabriel or really anybody else in this program a whole lot of time to learn and develop. And plus, Gabriel had a whole year to learn and develop. And why, while I think in the spring game he actually looked better than Jackson Arnold, 
with the way they had the offensive line divided up in the spring game, and it wasn't that great of an offensive line, and you were banged up, it was very hard to get a read on him. I mean, it wasn't like watching Caleb Williams when the ball just shot out of his arm like a cannon and you went, ooh, this guy might be better better than Spencer Rattler. It wasn't that kind of effect. But if he's everything that you say he is, and with that five-star with that five-star ranking that he has by his name, and the fact that he got an offer from OU out of high school, which Dylan Gabriel did not have, all that points to him being the better of the two quarterbacks on campus. Maybe not right now, meaning when we're recording this show here, you know, the day after the day after July fourth, which uh, which would be July fifth. Maybe not right now. But maybe midway through camp, maybe at some point during the season, he is the best quarterback. So Dylan Gabriel, everybody else, you're on a short leash. You've got to get it done within the first few weeks of the season. If not, Brent Venables has to move on on from you because he's trying to save his job and trying to make sure that this program doesn't take any more of a downturn than what it already has, especially when you consider, like we always say, the SEC is coming up. And with the SEC awaiting, you, you've you've got to go into that thing rocking and rolling. You you cannot go into it struggling the way that you did last year, or looking even remotely mediocre, or that's just going to get you further and further behind. And then yeah, all those things that Colin Cowherd said about being the next Nebraska become a, a lot more realistic than just a lot of bluster and talk while he's got his head up Lincoln Riley's butt. Um. Along those lines, oh, everything just kind of bleeds into each other this week. Um, last week, Thad Turnipseed uh, submitted his resignation at OU. At least that, that's what I'm going with. Because no matter what you read or who you talk to, nobody seems to know for sure if Thad Turnipseed just said, hey, I don't want to do this job anymore, and you know my kids are in high school, and I want to watch them go play sports, or I want to spend time with my family and this job is eating too much of my time, or if that turnip seed was told, dude, you need to turn in your resignation because there ain't a whole lot of people in here getting along with you. And ultimately, you want to know as a fan, what does this mean for the OU football program? What, what, what does this mean to me? The best answer anyone can give you is, I don't know. I don't know what this means for the OU football program. My gut feeling tells me it's really not that big of a deal. I know he was quote-unquote instrumental in helping Alabama and Clemson build their programs, not just facilities, but build their programs. But there was an OU long before a Thad turnip seed came along, and there's going to be an OU long before he's out. And if his main job was to come in and help with the design of the facilities, well, he's already done that. And the Board of Regents approved that approved the building of the facilities, and construction is going to start on that very soon. Okay, you came in, you helped design that, you told us what Clemson and Alabama did. Great, we don't need you anymore. But if he was any more instrumental in helping the development of that program, then yeah, this is probably a bad look because OU wants to get to where Alabama is. OU wants to get to where Clemson is. And if you've got a guy that can help you do that, that's a guy you might want to listen to. All that being said, 
if you're not getting along with coaches, if you're not getting along with support staff, and you know, I, we did discuss on our show this week that maybe that's the way that Thad Turdubseed wanted it. Is he didn't necessarily want to be a well liked guy. He just wanted to be a guy that got things done. Well, if you're six and seven, okay, and you were brought in by the coach that went six and seven, there aren't many people that are going to listen to you. I mean, when you're six and seven, you can't walk around just blowing people up, talking about how much they suck and how much and how much it's your way or the highway or you know what you know what you're doing and, and you're and everybody's better off just listening to you. No, that's that's not the case, man. And you are making $350,000 a year, $350,000. And I think he had six months left on his contract. The other thing that's coming up is when you're making that kind of money, you better be doing a lot of work to justify your job. And it seems that that he wasn't. I mean, I don't know. This guy, because he didn't do a whole lot of media and all the terms that he was talked about in were very vague, he becomes this mystery man. I mean, that's what he was. You know, what was that turnip seeds impact on the OU football program? I think that's something that we'll be discussing like five years down the line in a very like off topic when it's a when it's a slow day in July and we're five years into OU's run in the SEC. At some point it'll come up, hey man, what exactly did that turnip seed do for OU? Where where can we where can we really see those results? And somebody's going to respond, man, it's just a name I haven't heard in a long time. But I, I, I'm i guessing if you didn't get along with people, it was probably strongly suggested to you that you need to move on. And I'm sure he's getting paid out the rest of his contract, and it was an easy decision for him. And ultimately, the impact on this, as I said earlier, I don't think it's going to be all that great on OU. I really don't. It's, just, it's hard to imagine a guy like this having – such an impact on OU that that they'll never be able to recover from it, and and we'll be sitting around here three years. Well, we should have kept that that turnip seed. Now, don't don't see that at all. Bill Haston of the Tulsa World um, threw out a great suggestion, and it's one that we've talked about uh, on this show for a long time, and that is OU needs to have an annual rivalry with Arkansas. Now, the SEC schedules for 2024 and 2025 are out. Uh, as you know by now, SEC went with the eight-game conference, you know, the eight-game conference schedule, which means you play one permanent opponent, and then every two years your schedule flips. So OU will play Texas every year, and then every two years the schedule flips, and they'll get a whole new, they'll get a whole batch of new SEC schools. But if the SEC decides to go to a nine-game conference schedule which means you get three permanent opponents and then you get six that rotate every two years, you could throw Arkansas on the schedule every year. And it makes just too much sense from a geographical standpoint, as Bill Haston pointed out. We said this all along. OU fans can go to Fayetteville pretty easy. Arkansas fans can come to Norman. Um OU fans can go eat in Bentonville, which is really blown up because they've got all that Walmart money. But what's really interesting about the OU-Arkansas rivalry in big-time air quotes is the fact that they haven't played each other in a regular season game since 1924. All three of the matchups after that have come in bowls, and OU's 2-1 in those bowls. OU's got a victory in the Orange Bowl and in the Cotton Bowl, 
And Arkansas has that 31 to 6, you know, demolition of OU that they did back in the 70s, where if OU'd won, they'd have won another national championship. Thank you very much, Lou Holtz. Um, OU hadn't played in Fayetteville since 1919, but considering the fact that Arkansas recruits the northeastern part of the state, and OU obviously recruits every place in the state of Oklahoma, I don't actually really think that has much bearing on Oklahoma at all. It just has too much of a of a geographical... It, it, it's got too much of a geographical connection for the SEC not to consider this. And the only holdup at, at this point would be if Arkansas's administration was just adamant about playing Texas and A&M or Texas, LSU, and Ole Miss. I mean, they're, they're, they want to play Texas every year just like OU does. But after that... They're still enamored with with LSU and Ole Miss. They don't want to play Missouri anymore. It's going to take more convincing on the Arkansas part than it will the OU part. I think OU fans will be all for it. OU fans are down for a good road trip. More importantly, they're down for a close road trip. I say we get it done. And and it's interesting because there's OU Arkansas ties. Barry Switzer, you know, former Arkansas player, and he was asked by Bill Haston, "Why didn't y'all?" ever play Arkansas in the 70s, and it's like, eh, it just never came up. It was one of those things. You know, Coach Broyles was, you know, Frank Broyles was out at Arkansas. Barry Switzer was was at OU, and it just never came up. And probably one of the reasons why it didn't come up is, you know, Barry probably didn't want to play Arkansas. You know, there's probably part of him that didn't want to play and and beat his whole team and certainly didn't want Arkansas to, to beat him. You know, that's not, you know, a, a very good look for OU. But now... You're in the same conference, and and if OU could somehow have, you know, three, I, my three teams would be Arkansas, Missouri, Texas. Uh, I don't know why Missouri. Maybe it's I, a matter of fact. I do. It's the old Big Eight thing, and I know a lot of OU fans want Florida, um, but I think OU playing A and M, Texas, and Arkansas every year would be just as good as OU playing. Florida, Texas, and Arkansas every year, or OU playing Texas, Arkansas, Missouri every year. Just whatever it is, make it happen. Get Arkansas on the schedule every single year because it's what we want. And I think eventually it would grow into a very fun rivalry between the two schools. Heck, the OU-Arkansas game that's played up here in Tulsa, you know, the OU-Arkansas basketball game that's played in Tulsa, Drew Big. Uh, there's 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 no way that th- that this wouldn't work. It's just a matter of prodding it along, letting people see it, letting people fall in love with it, and then you've got something. Heck, who knows? Maybe you, you could even make a trophy around it. That wraps up this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Until next week, we say may God bless you and your family. As the great Jackie Moon always says, everybody love everybody. And to quote Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Don Cornelius, love, peace, and soul.